Welcome to the 26th episode of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Michael Majors. We have some... <laughs> yeah, see, that that's that's the the theme of today's show. We have some, like, weirdo general topics to talk about. The first one is just Planeswalkers in general. And Majors brought this up as a potential talking point, and I saw some chatter about it from a friend of mine, Brian Gottlieb, where... He also has his own podcast, the First Strike Podcast, and the idea got brought up that, like, Planeswalkers could be kind of like a Hearthstone legendary, you know? It's, like, restricted. You can only play one in your deck. Why would you even, like, want that, you know? And it's just, like, talking about the various ways that Planeswalkers aren't necessarily ruining magic, but it's definitely making it a different experience than it used to be, and things like Gideon, Ally of Zendikar are making that experience, you know, before where it was, you know, completely fine and reasonable and just something that was a little bit different, like maybe a little over the top and maybe a little too much. Uh, was Brian's podcast after Saffron Olive's article on March 20th? I don't know. Probably. Okay. Is know, that where it stemmed from, that idea? Yeah, the community talking about it a lot is through Saffron Olive's article on MCG Goldfish. Uh, where, yeah, he, he basically goes over the fact that, like, because, you know, Wizards is incentivized to create, you know, these relatable characters to sell magic as a brand, which obviously is important, then Planeswalkers are like the ideal, you know, vehicle for doing that. And so you're incentivized to push those cards. And then you kind of have this problem where like, cards are being power creep for the sake of selling cards, which is not a bad thing, obviously, but like, Planeswalkers themselves are such a unique card type in magic that it kind of changes magic fundamentally. I do think that they probably realize that sort of effect. Like, Emrakul is another big example of that, where it's like, okay, this was a little too far, we should probably scale this back. Like, if it gets to the point where we have to ban a card in standard, then we're probably doing things a little bit wrong, you know? Brian's tweet that I was talking about was 21 hours ago from now. So, uh, yeah, it was probably after Saffron Olive's article. Yeah, probably the next day. I know... Ross Miriam wrote kind of a response to it. I don't even really know how it classified, actually, but he, he talked about it as well and got a lot of feedback. Yeah, so I, I think the idea is kind of cool in that, like, you know, what if there was a Gideon that was, like, you know, three, four, five mana somewhere definitely in the playable range, right? And it's like, you would never see, like, sets being previewed, and then you'd see the Planeswalker and be like, oh, you know, like Tezzeret or whatever, like, is this going to be playable? Should I pre-order this? I don't know. Just, like, if the card is restricted, it's, they can make it so it's always going to be good, and then I think that they could do a lot of cool things where it's just, like, you know, over the course of two years, maybe there are two Gideons, and if you draw them both at the same time, it's, like, actually good instead of bad, and you could just do sweet things like that and then have, like, a little variety in your play experience when it comes to Standard, because... As you play a standard format for three months, like, it gets, I don't want to say solved, but, you know, people definitely stop innovating as much, and maybe that is part of the format. Maybe it's because, like, people are bored, or maybe it's because, like, the format is actually solved, but it's, like, towards the end, it gets a little stale, right? And then as long as you have these, like, divergent play patterns from these restricted cards, like, it could be a little bit more interesting. I don't like the idea that there's this additional barrier to entry in standard where it's like, the rules are like this, like, this is how you have to build your deck. Oh, except for these cards, you can only play one of them. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that kind of, like, makes me get vibes of, like, 
going down this weird like commander route in magic and it's like if if you did you know restrict these cards and make them like super powerful as a result like wouldn't that just exacerbate the issue of like person has turn four gideon versus person who doesn't yeah and and that's another issue too but it's like I, I guess it comes in twofold where it's like you need to not say say Gideon was a restricted card, right? And it's like you would have something like Ally of Zendikar, except maybe it cost three mana, you know, like obviously not the same stats or whatever, but it would be like probably better than a normal Gideon, right? Because it's like they want to make sure that it sees play and whatever. Uh so it causes that kind of issue. And the other thing is that like right now they could just fix the problem by not making things as oppressive as Gideon, right? Especially, you know, the when you're on the play problem. And if they fix that problem, then they don't need to restrict things, but in order to have like the restricted ones play well and feel well, they kind of need to fix that problem anyway. Yeah, that's true. I think a lot of people are kind of taking the stance that things along the lines of like Pithy Needle and Hero's Downfall should just always be legal. Yeah, and that's reasonable too. And uh, there's definitely been like, you know, some chatter from Wizards people on Twitter. I think Sam Stott is uh, the most notable one because he's talking about a lot of the development stuff. Yeah, it's, it seems like they're, they've kind of come around on that too. It was like they scaled back on answers a little bit too far. And especially when you're in a world of planeswalkers and vehicles, having things like Ruinous Path be the answer that you want to try is just, it just doesn't work out. You know, it's like the card is so bad against another card type that you just can't even really put it in your deck. And if it were an instant speed card, I think we'd, we'd kind of be fine, you know? Unlicensed Disintegration is doing a lot of that work just because it's able to actually, like, kill a Planeswalker or finish it off after it's, like, kind of weakened a little bit or whatever or at least put it in range where you can finish it off, you know? So, like, if if there were a Hero's Downfall type thing, I think things would be, a, like, definitely more okay than they are now. It just so happens that, like, Ruinous Path was the thing that they tried. It was Sorcery Speed, and vehicles make it so bad, and the vehicles are so good, so... Yeah, I, I agree. That's it's kind of... And we were talking about green-white tokens before we started the show, but, like... A very common trend is, like, the best decks are just mid-range decks with, like, very diverse types of permanents, and it just makes it impossible to answer them properly in standard. Yeah. I, I don't know about Pithing Needle. Pithing Needle seems like it creates a lot of feel-bad when, you know, you play a Gideon, they needle it, and get to do something else, and you draw, like, a second Gideon. It's like, come on, you know? Like, there might need to be, like, a fixed version of it or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe Pithing Needle is, like, too st- extreme an example, but I definitely think, like... Magic in general would be healthier with Hero's Downfall. And uh, even something like Oblivion Ring, Banishing Light, you know, uh, yep. some sort of variant on that. Pithing Needle, I think, when people bring it up, like, maybe they're just like, I want to shut down all the Gideons and, like, screw my opponent and their feelings. You know, like, I don't really care. I just don't want to die to that card or whatever. But I think most people, when they talk about it, they're kind of referring to it as, like, just a proxy for a general answer that is playable. I agree. I also don't think you want to live in a world where people are incentivized to play, like, two or three X of a card like Pity Needle. Like, I remember when people were just, like, main decking needles to fight Umazawa's Jitte, and that's just, like, such a bad set of circumstances. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel good on either side, so... I don't like the needle idea. I, I'm fine with Banishing Light and Hero's Downfall, or just different riffs on those cards, you know? Like, I think Ruinous Path could have been a, a good version of Hero's Downfall had we lived in a different world, you know? But that's just not how it ended up playing out. I wonder if there's a way you could template, like, a red burn spell that's, like, deal three damage to a creature or player. This can only be redirected to Planeswalkers or something like that. Well, you can just have it deal damage to a Planeswalker. Oh, right. Yeah, sure. That That is a thing now, isn't it? Yeah. Wait, is there is there actually a card that does that? Devouring Flames. I mean, I guess there's no reason the templating shouldn't work that way, <clears throat> but it's just weird. 
Yeah, two R sorcery as an additional cost to cast. Return a land you control to its owner's hand. Devouring flames deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker. I don't know. So, so obviously, like the technical way you're supposed to point burn spells at planeswalkers is to target the player and then redirect. Even though most people just shortcut through that. But yeah, but there, there's nothing stopping you from like actually targeting a planeswalker, assuming you can. You know. Yeah. It's, it's, just... it's just like it saves a word, allowing the redirection thing to exist. Sure. I don't know. It's just weird that there is a technically a distinction. Yeah. No, I, I remember, like, I think there have been a couple of those cards, and I remember when they first started popping up, it was just like, oh, that's kind of weird. But, yeah, obviously, if you could just, like, nug them for five with Devouring Flames, and their solution to it being able to target Planeswalkers, that would be too good. So, I mean, I like this. It is a, a little bit more complex, but it yeah. plays. Yeah, it's legit. I don't know, man. I, I do like the idea... Like, I, I started playing Hearthstone, like, five months ago or something, and I've played a decent amount, not lately, but just in general, I have played a lot. I, I kind of like it. I like having the legendaries that are, like, sort of fun, you know? Not necessarily just, like, super good on rate, like the Ragnaros or whatever, just, like, big-time finisher or whatever, but just, like, I, I would say Fandral, I guess... But it's a little Ooh, that's, too that's a over. Bad example. No, it is. It's a it's a horrible example, right? But if it if like if it wasn't overstated, you know, like in Magic, like you don't you can't attack the creature, right? So like, there's no reason for that thing to be overstated. But like that sort of like fun type of thing is kind of sweet, where like it changes the way the game plays out. And having that variety in gameplay, I think, is pretty fun. I don't know. What's a good example of this? I'm thinking like Fandral and Brand, but like those are just both kind of horrible examples. Uh, for, for me, and, and, and honestly, it might be a little too good because it kind of does force the game to play in a similar-ish way, is Finja, because it actually like changes the way you build your deck to support this card. But like, yeah. you, might, you might just like draw your Murlocs before you draw your Finja, or you might draw Finja too late or whatever. But still, it like creates this like interesting constriction in deck building, even though you can only play one, and it allows you to do like some pretty unique stuff. Kind of along the lines of those cards, but not specifically those cards. Yeah. And I'm not a designer. I think I am. I make a much better developer than a designer. Like, if you give me multiple choice, I will be able to tell you which I think is better for the situation. But if you're like, give me a card design, I'm just like, uh, you know. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? I can say I think that space exists for these Planeswalkers to be unique legendary cards, like basically restricted, and I think you can make them fun and cool and make the play patterns a little bit different, but when you ask me for a design of that, I'm I'm not going to be able to help you, you know? But if you gave me multiple choice, I would tell you. Does that right. make sense? It does. I mean, do you think that, like, Magic's conception of the legend rule is kind of just bad in general? Well, it is sort of telling in that it has had to change a few times over the years, you know? Well, mm, I, that was kind of just exploring new space, I think. Like, obviously, like, the OG legend rule where, like, if you play your Gideon, my opponent can't even cast their Gideon. It's super terrible. It's ter- It's terrible, but it's flavorful. It does kind of make sense, but... Sure. Yeah, but- I, I, think, I think there is more space to explore, but I think that is a thing that they should you know figure out and be sure of before they actually change anything oh i certainly agree with that i just think it's kind of interesting that you to talk about comparing the the card type essentially to hearthstone or any other digital card game and and the way that people that other games rather have kind of decided to incorporate those types of cards and like usually it's like deck building restrictions or something along those lines yeah and that's certainly possible i think there are just too many legends to make it all all the legendaries are restricted maybe not 
but it is it is kind of feel bad like if you buy a case and you get like a bunch of extra copies of these legendaries you know i guess like those would just be the mythics every time and then you're just like straight copying hearthstone's like pack model basically i don't know like i don't want them to switch mythic rarity to like legendary you know there are only these spells that you can only play one of or whatever like that that doesn't make any sense that doesn't really line up well so like it doesn't make sense for it to only be planeswalkers no i agree with that Arsenal's a little different too because you can still end up with like you know two fandrels in play or whatever that's true yeah there are really weird scenarios where basically anything can happen so yeah i don't know i I feel like there is a lot of space to explore there i don't think it's like I, i think it would be cool but i don't think it is the best way to solve whatever problem that people think that they have now yeah i mean i i, I kind of just think that eventually we're gonna see planeswalkers that don't like enter the battlefield and kill a creature or enter the battlefield and make like a relevant body and like once you kind of move away from those types of planeswalkers then they become way less oppressive and standard i agree with that but it's like there's certainly an opportunity cost of playing a planeswalker right where if it does anything really powerful it has to cost a lot of mana if it costs a lot of mana it has to protect itself in some way obviously you can just make it like karn or ugin or whatever and have just a bunch of loyalty but the the making a creature or nissa vital force just being able to make a blocker you know stuff like that like that definitely helps and it certainly causes more problems because it it snowballs a lot but like they're basically going to snowball anyway like again developer not designer like i i could not i i can't visualize a design of a planeswalker for something along the lines of your talk that you're talking about you know like something that sits in play and like gives you some sort of value but is not super snowbally well, I mean, like, it has to do something snowball-y, right? Because obviously it's got to, like, either create some form, form of card advantage or impact the battlefield in some meaningful way. But, like, I think that maybe it's better to build towards those types of effects rather than, like... For instance, like, Chandra Torture Defiance is just the best Shriek Maw of all time, functionally. That's what it is. But does a lot of other different things that I think are cool. No, I mean, I, like, I, mean, I, I, I think Chandra's fun to play with. It's just, like, the the fact that there's, you know, all the all these, like tests that have existed over the life of standard in the last 10 years where it's like you know you have to play something with a powerful etb so you don't get vapor snagged or jace the mind sculptured or you can't really play with like these generic four toughness creatures because you're going to get chandra and you're just going to get tempoed out and it's like if you can't like properly pressure these things then it's just such a disaster well i mean certainly what they could do is just make aggressive cards better like we've also just lived in an era where actual aggressive decks or you know like red burn decks have not been great and there haven't been like uh, like unlicensed disintegration is the closest thing to a searing blaze we've had and it's like clear that that sort of effect is very very good especially in like this planeswalker world people kind of like bend over backwards to try and play that card because they're not great answers but like if standard existed now but with something like heroes downfall it would like people would just be like oh you have to play heroes downfall and then that creates like its own set of issues right where it's like a different way of narrowing down the format whereas if you have like more different good ways to answer planeswalkers then you'd kind of be fine so like if there was like a mono red burn deck or like a blue skies deck or something you know just like creatures that could attack over the gideon knights or attack through them or whatever you know like i i think that there just needs to be more diversity in strategies in standard period i agree with that it's just like we do have one mana, 3-2 right now. And obviously, you know, that card pairs very well with Gideon, so it's not the best example. But, like, even yeah. two, two years ago, people were, like, dying on turn five to become immense battle rage and nonsense like that. 
Well, that sort of stuff I think is stupid. But, like, red-black is so close to being a good deck. And if it were a good deck, like, if it had another good one-drop or something, I think it would be completely fine, you know? And that gives you a reason to want to play red-black instead of Mardu and not have to play Gideon, you know? It's just, like, they need to push things a certain, like, a little bit in certain other areas. So basically the only reason that black-red exists, or even, for that matter, the only reason Mardu is Mardu is because Unlicensed Disintegration is so pushed. It's like such a huge payoff card. Do you think that instead of incentivizing people to build their decks for like certain threats, then that maybe wizards should push deck building towards answers like Unlicensed Disintegration? Does that make sense? I understand what you're Are you asking me a question? Yeah. What is the question? What is the question? Do you think wizards should push payoffs to be more answers than threats? I don't think I like that idea. I think I like the threats being the build-arounds because it gives you a direction. You shouldn't have to sit down to build a standard deck, I think, and have to like conceptualize the format as a whole before you even think about like what cards you're going to put in your deck. So I, I think there should be things like Gideon and Smuggler's Copter and whatever. Like Then you have a lot of ways you can branch out from there and it's like okay well i want to play scrappy scrounger and smuggler's copter and whatever so i guess i'm playing this unlicensed disintegration and you know you just end up with the answers like you you should just have the answers available to you and sometimes like the answer will be kind of clever where it's like oh gideon is the most powerful card so like i should play this deck with like all unblockable creatures you know i think that's completely reasonable or like, Reality Smasher is another good one that I think is, like, very, very close to being good. So I I definitely think that the threat should be good. I think the answer should not be build around me. I think that the answer should just, like, exist as cards that you can add to your deck. Yes, but, like, at the point that the answers are, like, super obvious and are just good enough to be put in every deck, like, doesn't that kind of delegitimize the format a little bit? Maybe well, I'm not expressing this well, but... So I think disintegration is very very pushed, yes. and I think I think that's a good thing. It's like, hey, you want to play black red with some artifacts? Like here is kind of your payoff card, but it's it's just a good card. And the reason people are playing it now is not because it's a good card; it's that it just like actually helps you chip planeswalkers, and it actually helps like end the game quicker, and it stops the Sahili combo. You know, like if there were other good cards to play in the format, I don't think that people would necessarily be playing Mardu all the time. You know. Like, there, there are powerful reasons to play, like, Esper, for example. And people just don't, because you kind of need Disintegration to have that extra axis of interaction. Okay. Let, let me, like, like for example, let's say Imaginary Card, this existed. It's like, 1UB, destroy target creature or planeswalker if you control X type of permanent. Like, do you think the existence of cards like that are bad? No. I mean, as long as you don't have to jump through hoops to do that. Sure, let's let's assume that it's on theme with the current block or whatever. Yeah, so say there's like, you said blue-black, right? Yeah. Yeah, so say it's like, you know, some self-milled deck or whatever, and it's like, as long as you have four cards in your graveyard or something, just like mini threshold, whatever, that is a card that, you know, you would want to play and maybe you turn to if you need, you know, maybe you're black-green and you need an answer and you're like, oh, I can achieve this like sub-thing, which is kind of what Mardu does with the artifacts and with Disintegration. So yeah, no, I, I like stuff like that. I, I, don't, I don't even necessarily want, like, Heroes Downfall and Banishing Light. Like, I am fine with the answers that are very specific. Like, you should not be able to put, like, 20 Counterspells or 20 Vindicates in your deck, you know? Like, there, there should be some restrictions on these cards. 
But I do like having those cards available for people that are like, oh man, I really want to build like X type of deck, but I'm really short this effect. That's just like a really big feel bad when you're so close to being able to like build this deck, but you just never get there because you're missing a, a big piece, right? It's like if you're kind of constructing this standard format and there is a deck that is almost there, like you should just give them the other piece, you know? And part of the problem is like, you know, you have to find all of these decks that could potentially work and like what are they missing and stuff, but like that is their job. Yeah, I don't know. I just think, like... And Light's Disintegration is actually this super weird example just because, like, the fact that it has damage tacked onto it means it is effective against Planeswalkers, but, like, you can certainly just, like, curve out with your creatures, play two Disintegrations, and kill your opponent every time on the play. Like, we, we saw a brief moment with, like, Smuggler's Copter where that was a reality. Um, yeah, and that's, like, the best thing to do in this format because eventually your opponent's gonna, like, maybe kill your stuff and then play their own Gideon and you don't have an answer for it. So, like, the, the best plan is to be proactive, for sure. And that card just, like, helps in both scenarios, where it's, like, either they have an unanswered Gideon or, you know, you're on the play, and you don't have Gideon, but you have this reasonably aggressive draw. Right. Uh, basically, my point is, like, I think there is... Because, you know, we're just at the point in Magic where generically threats are king, obviously, and Planeswalkers are super good. We can see that with, like, Gideon and Chandra and Sahili to some, you know, more narrow extent. I think I like that idea of actually forcing people to work a little bit more to like have hyper efficient answers that are actually good at dealing with like the premier threats because there are so many premier threats like planeswalkers are vulnerable to creatures but ish you know ish it depends on the planeswalker right like gideon making a knight with just like other backup you know if you play a two and a three into a gideon it's like your gideon is probably not gonna die at least based on the context of this format but like what if you know, there there were, like, flying was a, a reasonable keyword to have on, like, a good two or three mana creature, right? Like, the the fact that you can't really play Liliana right now because of Heart of Kirin is a pretty big deal, I think. So, like, you know, flying helps, but then, I don't know, just, like, Fatal Push kind of, like, made it all bad, where it's, like, pretty easy to protect your Gideon from Heart. I don't know if that's actually a good thing or not. It's like push existing for standard. It's it's hard to say. It's like, would, would you rather have push around to answer heart, making it easier to protect your Gideons, or just make like a turn two heart just unkillable? And, you know, that's game. You know, it's just like the same kind of problem, but different. Yeah, it's a pretty bad catch 22. So yeah, I basically want there to be more constructed shots in more of the sets. Ideally, I would have the power level be a little flatter among a lot of the cards, and I know that is difficult, especially with, like you said, the focus on story and, you know, trying to push certain things because they are story elements or characters or what have you, and it's just like, you, you want to spotlight that, you know? Like, there is a reasonably high number, it is definitely not non-zero, uh, like, percentage of people that are interested in the story stuff, and it is cool for them if those cards are actually powerful. I mean, this is going a little too deep in, like, combining cards or whatever, but I wonder if there's a way to illustrate, like, Planeswalkers doing something dramatic in the story without... Like, the one that comes to mind for me is, like, uh, Gisela, like, being able to transform those cards. Like, that's really sure. cool. Yeah. And, and that's, like, flavorful and interesting to the story and also has, like, interesting, you know, like, gameplay dynamics. But, like, you just cast a Planeswalker and it just does what it does. And, it's, I mean, it's not really flavorful or interesting. That is kind of the story with Magic right now, though, right? It's like you just follow the Gatewatch around, and they just... It like doesn't matter what the threat is. It's just like they figure out some way to beat it, right? So it's like, yeah, obviously I cast Turn 4 Gideon, I just win the game. That's, that's what one of these guys does. <laughs> yeah, that's the storyline. He can't lose. What's going to stop me? Eldrazi? Tezzeret? Get out. No. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, like, Transform cards are kind of a cop-out for this example, but I, I do think they do a good job of illustrating that. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I I really liked the idea of the Origins Flip Planeswalkers. Yeah, those are awesome. I mean, both because, you know, Nissa and Jace, obviously, but just in general, they're, they're, they were super cool. How much how much is Nissa right now? Ooh, make a little little spec. No, no, I, it's not playable. I mean, it's always going to be playable, dog. Seven fifty. Okay. I mean, that's that's an honest price for an honest Magic card. It is. It is. You know, I hope she maintains that price just for the rest of her life because she's awesome. No doubt. Obviously, there's no solution or an easy answer, but I don't know if if you know this, but designing and developing games is hard. I mean, <laughs> it I'm, is very difficult. I'm, I'm certainly. I won't say that I'm completely aware, but I have the feeling, yes. Like I said, ideally, the power level would be flat, and there would be a lot of cool cards that you could play with. And I feel like if formats generally have all these, like, you know, variable answer cards, you can probably find whatever you need to solve whatever problem you're facing, right? And I, I think that's just, like, sign of a good format. It just creates natural churn, where, like... If this deck is on top one week, it probably won't be the next week, and then the format is continually interesting. Yep, agreed. But obviously striking the balance is difficult. It is, absolutely. And yeah, I I don't envy them in their position. It's just like, no matter how long you work on this game, it's just like every set they learn something. You know, it's like, oh, well, that's a thing that just hasn't come up in 20 years. That's weird. Sometimes it's like the perfect storm of random stuff, or... Sometimes it's like, oh, we kind of want to move in this direction, so let's try this. And it's like, oh, that was bad for these reasons, you know? But they learn from their mistakes, and man, I can't I can't wait for a day where there's just like a standard format that's awesome, and anyone who complains just gets laughed out of the room. I mean, unfortunately, that's never going to happen because of... Probably not. Probably not. The world but we it, live in. It will be awesome. And I, I mean, I have faith that like a format can get there. I mean, it's hard, but... You, but I don't think the world can get there. Maybe not. I mean, I think cons was pretty good, and we're... I, I had lunch with, like, Cedric and Ben Hayes, and we were just kind of, like, talking about standard and various formats and stuff, and cons came up, and Cedric's like, oh, I don't even know what decks were in that format. And then we just listed off, like, 20 decks. And he's just... Like, Cedric was just like, yep, that deck was good, yep, that deck was good, that deck was good, that deck was good, and it's like, man, that format was not bad. Like, people were complaining about Siege Rhino. Like, that was the one thing. I assume you're talking about, like, Temple Standard, right? Yeah, which which might also be like another part of it, where like the temples were great. Yeah, I mean you're you're playing more games of Magic that go longer, and people play their spells on curve. Not not necessarily on curve. That's not the right way of putting it, but like they're casting spells the first several turns of the game every game because they're they get to play Magic. Yeah, everyone gets to play Magic, and even Elspeth, who was you know incredibly busted, didn't feel that oppressive. Yeah, there were there were like reasonable enough answers. Like you know sometimes it was. You had to, like, hold back your Storm Breath Dragon or whatever, but there were ways to get around it for sure. And then once Ugin came out, I think it was even better because it was, like, there, here's this clear trump to, you know, you're, you're kind of, like, mid-range Planeswalker. Yep. I don't know. You got anything else, Dad? I, I mean, how, how do you, like, let's kind of wrap this up, I guess. Like, how do you feel about just, like, legendary Gideon? You can only have one. Maybe it, it costs three mana... Makes a two-two knight, starts at three loyalty, and becomes a four-four or something. I, I think it just creates more feel-bad moments. It's just like ah, my asshole opponent drew turn three Gideon, and I didn't. But what happens when you're the asshole and you draw the Gideon? You're just like hee hee, this is great. I I don't know. I just I I can't get behind it. 
Or what what if what if there were more things like Chandra Torture Defiance where it you know, maybe the number like, you know, kill deal four to a creature is a little too high or something, but it's like this cool thing where it like adds mana, kinda draws cards, kinda does them damage, you know, just like it has like a lot of variability to what she can do, or you know, something like Sahili where it like fits into this deck, but like obviously doesn't kill them on the spot. You know, like those sort of things seem sweet to me, and you probably can't do them at the push power level that it would require for them to see play if you could play four of them. I do agree with that. I, I think Gideon is the most egregious example because it's just literally a pile of stats, and it doesn't actually do anything cool. No, it's it's awful. It is a really fancy Jade Leech or whatever. Right. Whereas, yeah, I, I agree. Chandra is an interesting card to play with because you, you do actually do different things all the time with Chandra. Like, most of the time it's right to make mana and it can also draw cards and even, you know, it has a, a threatening ultimate that does eventually win the game. Like, she, she is awesome. And I, if Sahili was, like, a little bit better and the Feldar Guardian combo didn't exist, then she would be a really cool Planeswalker, too. She's very unique. I, I don't know. I just, I can't get behind, like, the Hearthstone Legend rule. Just the barrier to entry thing or just because it's, like, too weird or because you don't need it. So why bother? Some of all of the above, I think. Maybe more so the, like, weird and barriered entry than the third reason. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know how much the barrier to entry actually affects things because it's like, you look at games like Yu-Gi-Oh! And I don't know what their current status is, but it's like, they've had, like, ban lists and restricted lists and stuff like that. And it doesn't seem like it stops anyone from playing. It's just, like, a thing that exists and people kind of get used to and they know to check whatever list there is before they try and play in some tournament like obviously i could be way off base because i've never played that game or like played in tournament or whatever but my understanding and again i've also never played but my understanding is that there's very very little faith in the market because things just are so wildly fluctuating all the time right but that's because they keep like banning cards and stuff right yes and if there's like a hundred dollar card they'll just put it in like a box tin for like 10 bucks or something right and then it just gets you know completely wrecked a month later or whatever yeah but i mean if if this were like a hard and fast rule just like you know starting in 2018 all planeswalkers are ultra mythic and you can only play one copy of each of them in your deck of each version you know i don't know i feel like at that point you need like and again, I, I hate to keep drawing parallels to Hearthstone, but like one of the new mechanics in the set that's going to come out is like complete this quest and you get this like hyper powerful thing, and that's just exactly what this argument makes me think of. It's okay, like, like you you accomplish something or you build your deck in a certain way and you and you get Gideon. That would be sweet. I like going on quests. I mean, it would be sweet, but I don't know. Maybe it's a bad path to take if that makes sense. Yeah. But yes, if you're like you're like, man, I, I really need Gideon to show up and save the day. I'm gonna accomplish XYZ and then I get hyper powerful Gideon. That's cool. I don't know. There are some games like Duel Masters that have stuff like that too. I'm not familiar. Oh, Duel Masters is like OG Kaijudo. Duel Masters was a game in the US way back, and then Kaijudo is reboot rebooted Duel Masters, which is a different game, but Duel Masters is still going strong in Japan and like Kaijudo was I don't know, just like an Americanized version of it. It wasn't like the same cards or whatever, but it was basically the same rule set. It's just like, yeah, do all these crazy things, and then you get, like, this... You unlock this, like, four-sided card or whatever, and just, like, it, it has 200,000 power and kills all the creatures, and you take seven extra turns, and you draw your deck or whatever. Sure. I you mean... Know, obviously, that's a bit much, but... Yeah, I also, like... 
I do think an important distinction with like maybe proposing a solution being these like hyper unique, like super powerful versions of Planeswalkers or whatever, you can't just have them all be like some words that are proxy for win the game because that is not interesting. Well, I mean, that's that's basically what all the ultimates are, right? Not all of them, but I mean, certainly some of them. But like, you can't have like the incentive structure for you know getting your legendary Planeswalker just be win the game because that is not interesting. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I just I want it to be like. You're used to playing this game where you go, like, Toolcraft Exemplar into Scrap Heap Scrounger into, like, Thalia, right? And then sometimes you go Toolcraft into Scrap Heap Scrounger into, like, Super Sweet Card. And maybe the game plays out differently, I don't know. Like, obviously, like, Toolcraft into Scrap Heap is probably a bad example because it's, like, it's pretty clear you're on one plan. But, yeah, you know, I, I think, like, the energy space, like, there could be a, a lot of cool stuff to play around with for a fun Planeswalker, potentially... Like, I mean, there are a lot of energy cards that are just, like, kind of misses. They do, like, sort of sweet things, but, like, not enough to actually be playable. Obviously, this would require, like, an energy planeswalker or whatever, but just, like, something like that. Yeah, I like, I, I like the idea of planeswalkers actually pushing the mechanics of the block. Like, Tezzeret is kind of there, but it's just, like, you know, generic, good with artifacts or whatever. It doesn't actually do anything unique to Kaladesh. Yeah, and it certainly doesn't do what I want my artifact deck to do, where it just, like, kills them. It is just a means to end the game. It is like blue-black artifacts Gideon. I don't know, man. I just want all the formats to play out like Cube. Yeah, I'd be fine with that, too. (laughs) Certainly, I agree with your argument that, like, any way to even artificially change the play patterns of games once formats have been established would be great, but I don't know if you can do that in a non-gimmicky manner. That is entirely possible. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't expect, like, the legend rule to change or whatever. Like, you're definitely not going to make this big change to your game, introduce Planeswalkers, and then just, you know, a few years later be like, ah, that sucked. You know, instead of trying to, like, actually balance these cards and make them fun and interesting and different, then, yeah, we're just going to do this other weird thing instead. It's like, nah, like, they're just going to get better and better at their jobs. and Yeah, they're sure as hell not going away. Yeah, we're going to keep living our lives and playing Magic because it's great. Well, 40 minutes in, we've accomplished nothing. Basically nothing. But I think it's fun to talk about, you know? It's like, there there are a lot of complaints and criticisms about Standard and how things are currently, and certainly that's legitimate because there are effectively only two decks in the format and some of the games are not very fun and blah, 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 you know? So it's like, what can we do to try and fix this? You know, I, I do think, like, a lot of the complaints and stuff that come from the community come from a place of love, you know? It's like they are complaining because they care about this thing, right? And oh, I certainly agree with that. They, you know, they throw in their two cents, occasionally something like this pops up, and I think it's worth talking about. As, as soon as I saw that there were zero bans in Standard, the only thing you can do is just have faith that Amonkhet is going to be good, and I don't, I don't have any reason to believe it's not going to be. Yeah. It's not like the sets have not had an impact on Standard, you know? Like, the, the sets have been doing good work, I think. It's just that, like, the Felidar thing is just really crappy, and Gideon is really crappy, and, you know, Gideon could be rotating out right now, which would just be like, thank God. Yeah, I, I do actually have issue with, with that, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. They, they clearly had their motivations for their decision, and I'm not privy to that information, so I'm not really going to speculate or, you know, bother. Uh, I don't know. I think the information is out there, like, for why they did it, right? Yeah, for the most part, but there's got to be, like, a bigger motivation than just, like, we want people to be able to play with their Gideons for X number of months longer. Oh, well... I mean, it's not Gideon specifically. It's just cards in general. It's like it was hard for people to justify investing in Standard when their cards would tank in value so quickly. 
No, I, I get that. It's just like, whatever. I, I got nothing else to add. People were not playing standard as much. That is basically it. And that was part of the reason. Okay. If, if that's actually what the numbers dictated, I was not aware of that. Okay. We were going to talk about deck selection to some degree. We actually talked about this for far longer than I thought we were going to. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about deck selection now. All right. What you got for me? Shit. I didn't think you were putting me on the spot. <laughs> uh, I talked a lot in the in the last part, so. You don't think that I I offered, you know, a good amount of dialogue for you to go back and forth with? You did. You were excellent. Oh, and thanks, you put man. me in my place. Like like always. So it was great. Did I? So, yeah, you did you did good. Dude, thanks. All right. So so I actually had this conversation maybe 2 weeks ago, and the question was raised to me, would you say that your greatest non-M game skill over the average person is deck selection? And I said, yes. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? Greatest skill not related to in-game? Yes. Advantage, maybe, is a better way of phrasing it, but... Sure. I So I think that you are very good at building decks and identifying interactions, and I think you are so high up on that level that I think it is difficult for me to say that your deck selection is better than that. But, I mean, they're kind of an interwoven skill, I would say, to some degree. They're definitely interwoven, but, like, there are certainly people that have one and not the other, right? And Agreed. So, I, I think that's the only reason why I would say that your deck selection is not bad, or, like, is not as not your best skill. Your deck selection is definitely good. I, I think that there are things that you could be doing better along those lines as far as, like, you know, not just picking deck archetype, but actually, like, picking the right plan or, like, you know, actually actually figuring things out, like, the last 10%. Oh, I certainly agree with that. Obviously, it's, you know, something that can be approved upon, but I don't know. I mainly was just proposing as a talking point, but, like, also, I think that probably since I've met you, that's the single thing I've improved at the most. What, like getting the last 10% or deck selection? Just deck selection in general. See, that's weird, because I think my deck selection is horrible, but I think my deck selection has been really good the last year or so because I've been actually trying to win. Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely, like, kind of just gone off the Mardu deep end a few times, so to speak. Oh, dude, that's that's going to happen. That's going to happen, you know? And to be fair, that Pro Tour sucked. That was an awful Pro Tour. Like, all the decks were so bad. Uh, kind of. I, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously just teasing you, but, I mean, it, it is kind of the prime example. I agree. I agree it's the prime example, but that is my justification. It was just, like, everything sucked, and I knew that everything sucked. So, what am I supposed to do, you know? I guess you're probably supposed to register Nissa Vestwoods here. Ugh. It all comes full circle. Nissa was not as good in that tournament as subsequent tournaments. I clearly agree with that, but yeah, whatever. Um, but but anyway, uh, yes. Let's let's get back. Magic for me is kind of like this weird thing where it's like you know I kind of want to win, I kind of want to have fun, and I think like my early days and probably my my later days are going to be the ones where I reel it in the most because like when I was coming up, it was like I want to win the end. Like, full stop. Like, I, I need these results for, like, my resume and for people to take me seriously and give me credibility and stuff like that. And now it's, like, people know who I am. I can bomb out of, like, every tournament for a year, and I think people would not say anything. So it's just, like, I'm kind of at a point where it's, like, I don't really care about winning. It doesn't affect, like, my day-to-day life all that much, like, how well I do in a tournament. So, like, maybe if I just have fun and if I try and have fun while I'm also winning, that's kind of cool. So there is a stretch of time where... I played a bunch of, like, blue decks, because I generally enjoyed those decks, just like Delver and Callblade and Flash and stuff, and it just so happened that those were also the best decks by far, so I think my deck selection during that period was probably really bad, 
but I just got lucky in that, like, those decks were busted. And now it's just like, okay, like, if the best deck is Bant Company, I'll play it. If the best deck is Mardu, I'll play it. And I'm just trying to, like, reel it in that way. The tournaments where it's super obvious for me, I think it's easy. But the tournaments where it's, like, close or the tournament's undefined, I think my deck selection's still going to be bad. Okay, interesting. So you, you don't think you've firmly got into that, like, I don't know, third phase of your deck selection or competitive magic or however you want to phrase it i'm getting there i'm working on it it's a process you know that that is like my my biggest leak i think by far is is my deck selection so for you to be like oh since i met you like my deck selection has gone up or whatever it's like that's kind of weird but you know i've been working on mine too so it kind of makes sense and it's not like i never had any clue like what deck people should be playing you know it's like i wrote articles saying like you should play this deck p.s i'm gonna play flash or whatever you know do do as i say not as I do, I think is pretty good advice. So like when I'm telling you to play rally and I'm playing like some nonsense, you know, that's just how it is. Yeah, that's reasonable. I, I definitely when I was a couple of years ago, I would just play whatever I wanted. And I've I've reeled it in a little bit to some extent, but and, and it depends you, on it depends on what your goals are. And you, I mean you can still see shades of that. Like I, I registered like red green titan in a modern open just for the hell of it basically, but I don't know. Which is weird, right? Because like that shouldn't be the deck that you register like kind of for fun or whatever well i did i thought it was good but like it was mostly just like "Eh, i'm just gonna do this thing just to try it which is not the best way to do things like you should definitely not test deck selection in big tournaments or like you know necessarily take big risks or whatever like your ev over the span of a couple years is going to be much higher if you're just like well i know this deck is good and i know that i'm going to do pretty well with it so you might as well just play it i agree I don't know, do you subscribe to, like, the slow and steady approach or, like, big losses or big wins? I think I like slow and steady. I think that when you're just, like, cash, 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 it's just better for you. And, like, there are there are going to be tournaments where you spike because you're playing Jund or whatever the rock deck is, you know? Like, maybe you're playing Mardu Vehicles and you make a top eight or whatever. Like, it's not that crazy, you know? Like, those decks make up half of the top eight on the regular and there's nothing stopping you from being that dude you know so it's like you could try and play like team or tower or think like the green blue crush deck from last season is like another good example of this where it's just like probably a horrible deck but maybe if you get like really good matchups you're gonna do well but like why subject yourself to that it it depends on what your goals are and what you're feeling like if if you need a 13-2 to like get back on the pro tour or something and that's all you care about then sure do whatever but I think over, if we're talking like a long-term thing, like two or five years, something like that, like you're probably going to have more 13-2s playing Mardu than you are with like a Crush deck or just some weirdo deck. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. I don't know. Like, obviously, I'm a huge fan of just kind of brewing shit and just like looking at the interactions and making tons of deck lists and stuff. But like, it's very, very rare that I ever actually play those decks. I have to, like, I'm I'm a lot more interested in, as, as much as I like exploring magic and being creative and stuff, like... I still just want to be right. Like, that's the primary motivation. Yeah, and that's that's a good thing to bring up, too, because I definitely like being right, too. But, like, part of me being right is like, hey, I said to play this deck, but then I went and played this other thing. I kind of take solace in that. But I was really excited to see you play the Metalwork Colossus in Hawaii because it's very rare that you, like, just play your own brew, you know? Well, uh, that was just a weird tournament with a lot of personal stuff yeah, and shit. So. True, but I was, I was happy that... You actually, like, followed through on the process, and you came to something that you thought was good. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I was not as focused as I normally might be, but I, I did certainly try, and I thought it was the best deck that I could register for the tournament. 
And meanwhile, uh, that's another Pro Tour where I could not find a really good deck, so I registered a pile of garbage. What did you play? I forget. I played one round with uh, Black Red, Voldar, and Pariah. Mm, yeah, that deck's not good. It was fine. It was just really high variance. Yeah, sure. Anyway, yeah, I, th- I think it is just about figuring out what you want in life, and I think at this point it is in our best interest where we try and win as many matches as possible, and I think there have been enough problem cases in the last couple of years with things like Band Company and Mardu and even like Four Color Sahili and stuff like that, where it's like these decks are so far and away better than everything else, and we should probably just be playing something, and we can use we can leverage our skill to like tune the deck to have edges in the mirror matches and i think that's where we're gonna get the majority of our edge rather than like trying to build something new because especially in this format like there are too many limiting factors like both gideon and felidar guardian are two things that just severely limit what you can do so like i'm just not even gonna try you know like we learned kind of a little late in testing but i still think it was pretty early like i think that we could have gone on for like another day or two before realizing that we should just not be brewing but I don't know, it's kind of nice to have that too. It's just like, yeah, just put your head down, work work on this good deck, and that's it. That's all you can do. Yeah, I definitely think that is the appropriate stance to take in standard. It's just, you know, work on one of the three established decks, you know, maybe see where the metagame is going or, you know, what which of the big three or four or five decks is, you know, best positioned, and then just kind of learn the matchups, work on your sideboard plan. But I, I still think, like, you can do whatever you want in modern, and that that really does reward creativity. Oh yeah, well, like creativity and just knowing your deck too. I mean, modern is a different animal entirely. It, it also kind of sucks to be giving this advice of just like put your head down and play the best deck because like I, I'm also very sad to see like the lack of creativity in standard, and you know I'm I'm a part of that. Like I am just perpetuating like this kind of awful cycle where like the format stays stale, and I'm telling people to just keep playing Mardu and. Meanwhile, I want to see people, like, building new decks and stuff. But right now, specifically, it is it is almost impossible to do that. And, I don't know, Modern has, like, new decks kind of pop up on the regular, which is kind of weird to me, considering, like, how long at this point the format's been around and how many people have been working on it and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it's just always nice to see, for me, like, I get a decent amount of personal joy out of seeing, like, these new decks pop up and stuff. So I definitely want people to still keep working on new things. It's just, like, when it comes time to tournaments... You know, do do what is in your best interest. Yeah, I mean, also we're in kind of a unique space where it's not really fruitful for people outside of, you know, maybe you're playing like a PPTQ or something like that. There's only a couple weeks of the standard format, and there's no reason for you to really try to, like, work your ass off to innovate when you could just be playing the best deck at your local tournament, try to spike that, and then just wait for Amonkhet to come out. And, you know, instead, if you really want to exercise your creativity or do something fun, then just play modern, and that's probably why we're seeing so many decks pop up. Yeah, it's completely reasonable. Even even hearing things like from the local PPTQs and RPTQs and stuff, like hearing what's doing well, it, it just kind of weirds me out where it's like there's just like not a lot of Mardu or like someone won the LCQ with like a banned Aetherworks Marvel deck and then just like five people audible to that deck for the RPTQ and just like they all got <laughs> crushed. It was just like people were so desperate to do something different. Yeah. And they just they just jumped on it. And it's like, no, you just you gotta, you know, put your pride aside or whatever and just play the best deck. There's no shame in it. It's not it might not be fun. You might not enjoy the games or whatever, but it's like, you know, look for the things that you can take enjoyment out of. Yeah, it, it took me a long time to learn as a competitive magic player. It's like nobody's gonna care if you won 
50% of your matches with a really unique and interesting deck, but they'll care a lot more if you win 70% of your matches. Oh, yeah, 70% is insane. Well, generic numbers off the top of my head, but... Yeah, of course, but... Point, point being, the results matter, not what you got them with. Yeah, and the thing that I always told Cedric was you don't get extra match points for winning with garbage decks. You know, there's there's really no reason to handicap yourself. I do think that there are situations where you can brew up a deck and have, like, a solid read on the metagame and actually, like, that will be the week where you can play this weirdo deck that is, you know, not powerful, but it is good against the metagame, and just, we, we don't live in that world right now, so... Nope. We'll see what the new set brings. Hopefully it's some cool stuff. It's a big set, so I would hope so. If not, it's going to be really disappointing. I'm sure Nickel Bolas Planeswalker will be the best thing, and you know that'll be an exciting change of pace. Yeah, Marvel into that thing. Yep. Good old Mardu vs. Grixis. Ooh, a battle for the ages. New dual deck coming soon. I don't know. All jokes aside, I'm also optimistic of Amonkhet. Yeah, hopefully it'll break up the, the cycle, but until then I'll just keep playing cool modern decks. I'm optimistic, but also kind of apprehensive, where it's just like, uh, like it's going to be so bad if if the set is not good against Gideon and Felidar Guardian. I mean, that is certainly true, but you know what, what can you do other than wait? What can I do? I'm going to play Felidar Guardian in the Pro Tour and hopefully win some matches. That's it. Okay, so you're just, you're just locking it in right now? I'm soft locking it in, yeah, and then I'm just going to draft 40 times. That's it. Yeah, I mean, you can Oath of Nyssa into Nickel Bolas. So that's got to be good, right? Maybe. I, I generally don't like casting eight mana cards. Nah, it'll be fine. You can Chandra Plus. Really really mix, mix up the play patterns. That, that is true. That is true. All right, I might be on board. If it lets me go back to playing Marvel in my energy creature deck, then I'm kind of <laughs> on board. But see, like, Marvel is the leak, right? Like, that is the type of thing where it's like, I should really not be doing this. I should just have Chandra because it's it's just, like, a tighter package. It's, like, maybe even better with the deck. But it's like, dude, Marvel's fun. Yeah, it's like, what if I just Marvel? Marvel? I don't even want to, like, Marvel into Sahili and kill them. I want to Marvel into Deep Fiend and tap all their stuff, then untap and make a copy and ten them. Dude, I want to Marvel into Rogue Refiner and just, like, get a redraw. <laughs> That's all. You know, it's like, I, I want to do, like, this powerful thing, but I also just have this, like, horrible leak. You know, it's like, oh, I'll do this good thing, but also, like, you know, it, it'll make me feel better if I could do this bad thing, too. Yeah, just constantly halfway. Yep. Can never overcome ourselves. It's like 80%. My plans are always going to be good. I have like that last 10%. It's like the middle 20 or 30% that I'm just blowing. Oh, it's too bad we're not on the same team. I know. We would just fix each other's problems. I know. But, you know, I mean, we can always we can always chat. Just don't let anybody know. But but nobody who who's on our team listens to this podcast, I'm sure. So they'll never know. Corey Burkhardt is on my team and probably listens to the podcast. But yeah, you know, he's he's cool. Yeah, he'll keep it on the deal. All right, dope. Dude, I'll see you at the Pro Tour in two months or whenever it is. I mean, and I'll see you in like, you know, two weeks, but okay. No, I know. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm keeping it in line with our, our previous talking point. It's like, I have, I have my four color deck, like all sleeved up. It's ready to go. I have my sideboard plans. It's five color so now. Five, oh, because of Nickel Bolas? Yep. Well, shit. I like four. Five is just like, <laughs> five is like you have no restraint. You're, you're like Shaheen or Ali or whatever. And four is like, I like playing three, but I'm also a little greedy. Oath of Nyssa is just a fucked up card. That's all. Yeah, okay. Don't, like, before the Pro Tour, don't let me play not Oath of Nyssa. Okay, I'm, I'm fine with, with keeping you to that. Okay. All right. Any, anything you want me to lock you in on? Um, Thraben Inspector. Can, can I lock you in on not Torrential Gearhulk? 
Yes, that's fine. I, I did fine in the Pro Tour. I went fake 7-3. Ham sandwich. Eh, whatever. All right, I guess that's game.